Before I start this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual quick note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on. Welcome to the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kirkbride. It has, as I would expect in those countries that observe Christmas, been a quiet period in the run-up to the holidays. So I've gone back a week to cover something which I dropped last week to go alongside the usual mix of money laundering, fraud and sanctions. Even with that, it has still been quite a quiet week. Not a lot happening, which I'm quite glad about because I've been feeling a bit under the weather. But the show, as I've said before, must go on. The links to the Relevant stories are in the podcast descriptions where I flag them. Let's start this week with sanctions. Very limited sanctions news this week, as you might expect. First, the UK government has issued an update to its sanctions guidance. This is an update which is in place from the 20th of December 2022, and the link to it is in the podcast description. We'll stick with the UK, well, sort of, before we cross the Atlantic. The government of the Isle of Man is consulting on the implementation of international sanctions. The policy of the island is to align with the position taken by the UK and its compliance with UN sanctions is required by the UK's membership of the UN. The consultation will inform the draft sanctions bill 2022 and those who wish to contribute have until the 27th of January 2023. And finally this week, the US Department of the Treasury, Office of Financial Foreign Assets Control has added 18 individuals and entities to its list of specially designated nationals and blocked persons list. In addition, it's also imposed sanctions on 10 Russian naval entities because of the continued uh, attack on Ukraine. The links to the press releases containing the full list of all those people and entities sanctioned is in the podcast description. That's it for sanctions. Now we turn to money laundering. We start with a story which I ditched last week, but I'll mention briefly this week, and that is that the National Crime Agency in the UK has published its SARS in Action magazine, which contains the usual mix of news and views. I'll flag one particularly because the NCA has followed up with specific guidance this week, and that is the issue of vulnerability and or welfare concerns for individuals, which notes that in recent months, the number of SARS detailing welfare concerns and serious vulnerability has notably increased. Well, this week, the NCA has issued guidance on reporting routes relating to vulnerable persons for those in the sector, which is invaluable where there is a suspicion that a case concerns the exposure to harm of a vulnerable person. The link both to the SARS in Action magazine and the vulnerable persons guidance is in the podcast description. Sticking with the UK, where the government has published under its statutory obligation the policy paper Anti-Money Laundering and Countering the Financing of Terrorism Supervision Report 2020-2022. The report is accompanied by the following explanatory blurb. This report provides information about the performance of AML-CTF supervisors between 6th April 2020 and 5th April 2022 and fulfills the Treasury's obligation under Section 51 of the Money Laundering Regulations to publish an annual report on supervisory activity. The report includes supervisory and enforcement data on both the statutory and professional body supervisors, highlighting any notable changes in supervisory activity and any fines that supervisors have issued. 
This report provides supervisory and enforcement data for both 2020 to 2021 and 2021 to 2022. The two years have been combined to address delays in reporting that developed during the pandemic and ensure that data is available as close to the relevant period as possible. The Treasury appoints supervisors to monitor the anti-money laundering and countering terrorist financing compliance of businesses in scope of the money laundering regulations in order to improve the transparency and accountability of supervision and to encourage good practice the treasury has worked with supervisors to develop this annual report on the performance of aml and ctf supervisors this report fulfills the treasury's obligations under the mlrs to ask all designated aml ctf supervisors to provide information on their supervisor activity and publish a consolidated review of that information this is the Treasury's 10th annual report on AML slash CTF supervision. The link to the full report is in the podcast description. To the European Union for our final money laundering story this week, where the European Commission has updated its list of high-risk third-country jurisdictions for purposes of combating financial crime. Added to the list are Democratic Republic of the Congo, Gibraltar, Mozambique, Tan- Tanzania, and the United Arab Emirates. It's not all gloom, for uh, Nicaragua, Pakistan and Zimbabwe were delisted. This list largely reflects the work of the Financial Action Task Force in monitoring high-risk jurisdictions around the world. Links to the press release and the amended regulation which governs it are in the podcast description. Now to some fraud stories. We start with the news that the FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried has been extradited to the US to face charges connected with an alleged fraud on investors in FTX. While it has been reported also that two associates associates of Bankman-Fried have pleaded guilty to charges relating to fraud which contributed to FTX's collapse. Carolyn Ellison, a former chief executive of Alameda Research, a trading firm started by Bankman-Fried, and Gary Wang, who co-founded FTX, they're also believed to be cooperating with investigated investigators. As to Bankman Freed himself, he's been released on two hundred and fifty million dollars US dollars of bond package. Now an old favourite, COVID nineteen fraud. We've looked in previous weeks at the scale of COVID nineteen fraud in the UK, where the bounce back loan scheme is concerned. Well, this story relates to a similar provision of support in the United States and the guilty plea of Antrim Coston uh, for abuse of the Payment Protection Programme, the PPP. In 2021, Coston received two PPP loans of just over $40,000 for a cleaning business, but the payments were received following a series of false pay- statements made in the application. To cap it all, and for good measure, Coston also pleaded guilty to one count of money laundering and one count of possession with intent to distribute controlled substances. Link to the DOJ press release is in the podcast description. Sticking with the US, the Department of Justice has announced the conviction of Ian Friedman for laundering proceeds of a range of frauds using Bitcoin. Scarcely surprising, therefore, that The Guardian reported this week news from the Australian Transaction Reports and Analysis Centre, OSTRAC, which has identified cryptocurrency as a mainstream option for money laundering and terrorist financing. The links to both are in the podcast description. That's it. 
that's it for this week's mercifully short episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me again, all being well, next Sunday with the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a peaceful and restful holiday period and I'll see you all. Well, maybe I won't see you, but it'll certainly be in 2023.